we hear verses 12 through 19. Hear now the gospel of our Lord Jesus. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, You see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Friends, Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. The NCAA basketball tournament is one of the biggest sporting events of the year. And it's particularly big this year because the women of LSU are playing in the national championship game this afternoon. Go Tigers! Go Lady Tigers, that's right, I'll make that distinction. You know, whether it be the, the women's or the men's, millions of people tune in to watch around the world. Tens of thousands of brackets are filled out and usually busted after the first week. It's fascinating how the tournament goes down every weekend. As you get down uh, to the best teams, though, fewer and fewer people tend to tune in. I wonder why that is. It's likely because when you watch those first couple of rounds, it's filled with all sorts of uncertainty, right? Who's going to be the next Cinderella story this year? Who's going to be the 16 seed to beat the one seed? Because it almost never happens, right? You have no idea what could happen next. You tune in and LSU might just make the final four. Every year, these underdog or Cinderella stories uh, of teams pulling up the upset uh, uh, and beat the favorites. And then there, there are the moments that all sports fans long for. In the closing seconds of the game, the clock is counting down. The shot lifts towards the goal. How's that perform? The shot lifts towards the goal. Bill, how's that? Does that work? <laughs> the shot lists, and, and what happens with the ball next determines the outcome of the game. If only we could create that kind of suspense in church. What's he going to say next? Amen. But 
but here's the thing. The moments before the moment we know how it all shakes out is the one that people wait for. And that's the moment that people watch for. The uncertainty and excitement of these moments, the moments before the moment, <laughs> are what we live for. Much of our life, much of our story, in the moments leading up to when the ball goes in the air, is where we spend our time. After the story reaches its climax, the story moves towards resolution. Resolution is where everything is wrapped up and tied up neatly. Much of our life is found waiting on resolution. We wait for that deal. We, we wait for that phone call. We wait for that relationship, that answer, that job that so on and so forth. We are waiting for it all to make sense, waiting for it to, to come together, waiting for resolution. And we know sometimes the ball goes in and sometimes the ball doesn't go in. Much of the, of the God story which is what we've been in there in the scenes of Lent, finds its character waiting for resolution, right? Abraham waits for the son that is promised to him by God. The Israelites wait to enter into the promised land. The Hebrew people call out for a king, and then it turns out that the kings they get are not the kings they wanted. And so they wait for the true king, for the Messiah, the anointed future king. And they wait. They wait for centuries, actually. When is he going to come? When are we going to be set free? When do we get our real king, the one who can truly save us? They're waiting for resolution. And so by the time Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem, the people are beyond ready, right? This isn't one of these moments when the people blow it. <laughs> this is one of the moments when they get it and they get it right. There were enough people that recognized that Jesus was the one, unlikely though he may be. And they created enough excitement that by the time Jesus came into Jerusalem on that first day of the most important week in their culture, the week of Passover, when they would retell the story of how God had done for them and how God led them out of bondage in Israel, excuse me, in uh, Egypt and into the promised land that would become their homeland, they were ready. By the time Jesus got there, the whole city saw him coming. They had gathered on the streets to welcome him with great fanfare. And they shouted, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now let's stop right there for a second. Hosanna 
is an interesting cry for this moment. It's an interesting uh, proclamation. And it, Hosanna is usually thought to be a statement of praise and a statement of adoration, but it, it, and we've certainly used it as that. It has become that for us in the church over centuries. But when we dig a little deeper, you see that Hosanna is actually an imperative statement of salvation. Okay? It is a word calling out to be saved. And in fact, not and if we go if we go to the real root word of the word Hosanna, we find that it is a call for help. In fact, it is a plea for help. To to not be saved at some point in the future. To not not when you get around to it. But Hosanna in its true form means save us and save us now. Save me now. In other words, we can't wait any longer. This is it. Wrap it up. Right? Hosanna, save us now. There comes a point, uh, that point in any good story, where you are longing for resolution. We're not just waiting anymore. We are longing for resolution. You know the difference is between waiting and longing? By the time you get to longing... You can't take it anymore. <laughs> Anybody been there? <laughs> we are longing for this sermon to be over. Amen? <laughs> Clyde, don't you dare. <laughs> we are longing for the end. The story, the story is everything, though, at this point. The story is at its climax. We're begging the story writer, the director, the teller, whoever is in charge, give us resolution. Save us, save us now. You know, the, the Palm Sunday story is the epic culmination of the God story. Not to say that it's the end of the story, right? Because it certainly is not. You know what happens next week. So this is not the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. But it seems at the time to be the culmination of all this waiting for resolution. Let's recap briefly the threads of the story that have led us here, where we've been throughout this season of Lent so far. We started out with thread number one. God speaks to God's children because God desires a relationship with all of us. And then we see that the laughable dream of Abraham showed us thread number two, that if God makes a promise, God keeps God's promise. As we uh, watch the wandering people of God get frustrated in the wilderness, we found thread number three, and that is God will provide all that we need for this journey when we are doing God's work. Then with David, we saw an unlikely little shepherd boy become the unlikeliest of kings. And in the story of David, we see thread number four. God calls 
the unlikely and gives them a better story. Then last week, last week we talked about the prophetic voice singing over us the beautiful message of the God story. And we uncovered thread number five, that God's love is reoccurring and God's love is relentless. Then we come to today. Those who gathered on Palm Sunday felt that Jesus might be the resolution to all of these threads. So you have these people who need to hear from God yet again. Who need to be reminded of that promise yet again. Who need to know that they have all that they need for the journey. Who need to know that even for the unlikeliest even for the greatest of outcasts, there is a better story. For those who need to hear about the relentless, reoccurring love of God, they are waiting. They have been told that all they have been waiting for will be found in this Messiah. Jesus comes riding in, fulfilling the prophecy of the Old Testament. The unlikely son of a carpenter for, from Nazareth, riding in on a donkey. The people are, are wringing their, their, their hands with anticipation. They're, they're, they're longing for the story. They can't take it anymore. This story means everything. They're begging the author, please wrap it up. We can't do this anymore. Hosanna, save us now. Some of us find ourselves still there today. We are waiting for God. We need God still today. You know, it, it was a broken community of broken people just like us who cried out to God in Jerusalem on that day. They waved palm branches. They cried, Hosanna. Jesus comes to these people in his regular clothes, looking just like them. In this moment, he connects Genesis to Abraham. Genesis and Abraham to the wandering of the Israelites, to David, to the exiled Judahites, to all of the people gathered in front of him that day. And for us, it is the connection directly us a broken community is crying out to God and finally God comes we need you God if we've ever needed you we need you now that's that's how I picture Palm waving parade of that day. It wasn't the joyous occasion of children parading around like we portray it today. It was a desperate plea for action. People craning their necks, laying the palm branches so he could have a path to come into. 
just to catch a glimpse of this unlikely king riding in on this donkey, just as they had read it for centuries. But listen to what they say. Listen to the refrain of the song of the day. Save us now. Save us now. We need you, God, now more than we've ever needed you before. And you want to know something? The story of our God, the story written into the fabric of time, the story written into the fabric of our souls is that God comes. Not often how we expected God to come, to be sure, but God comes. God comes in power. God comes in love. God comes in grace. To all broken communities of people, God comes. To broken marriages, God comes. To broken finances, God comes. To broken churches, God comes. To broken nations, God comes. To all, by the end of the week, we are crying and our cries have gone from save us to crucify him. We're shouting out instead, save us God. We're shouting, put him to death. And despite the fact that we who invited him to come are the same ones who nailed him to the cross, he still comes. any story better than that? I sure don't. It's pretty likely that, that, that we are in a place in our story where, where, we, where you are waiting for resolution. Because that's where we spend most of our time in our story. Maybe you're waiting for some deal to go through. Maybe somebody to pick up the phone. Maybe for somebody to come home. Maybe for some check to be mailed. Maybe for some wrong to be righted. Whatever it may be, the story is different for each of us. But that's where most of the story takes place. That's where most of any good story takes place. And to that place, wherever it is for you in this moment, God Jesus comes for you. Jesus comes for those outside of those doors who may be in the lowest of low, whether in their own mind or the eyes of society. Jesus still comes for them. question for us today is this. How are we expecting God to come for us this week? Because we know God is coming. We, we know Jesus is in fact already here through the Holy Spirit for us all because we know the rest of the story. But how do you need God to come for you today? Here's a follow-up. 
how can you help someone else outside of those doors know what it feels like to believe that Jesus will also come to them? Thread number six in our story. Jesus comes. This is the gospel message. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hear now the invitation to Holy Communion.